to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to resilience, business continuity, disaster planning, COVID, well-being, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fullick there. I am really easy to find. And I do respond to everything I get, and we'll see about getting you on the show. Longtime listeners, you'll know that I talked about uh, the BCI conference, uh, the World Conference in 2021, where I was speaking, and that my hope was we could get some of these other uh, presenters to come on the show and talk about their topic and uh, have a great conversation about it or something else. Well, today is one of those days where I'm lucky enough to have one of those speakers. Today's topic is the use of knowledge management in business continuity to enable true resilience. And I'd like to welcome to the show, the presenter of that topic, Vanessa Thurwell. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Thank you. Now, uh, I know you and I have exchanged uh, emails and I know exactly what you do, but could you take a minute or two and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got into what you do? Okay. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for, for having me as a guest. Um, and yeah, I'm down in very warm South Africa for a company called Mondial Consultants. And we're just a small, we're only six of us, um, just very niche risk management, governance, business continuity, all those sort of um, risk management type disciplines. Um, and we just help with advisory development, a lot of training, you know, and through that conferences, uh, knowledge development and organizational learning um, all sort of start to creep in and just really helping our clients to get to a point where they've got real value adding risk management and uh, business continuity. And as we'll speak about later, getting to this sort of resilient organization. Um, Yeah, I got into it sort of by accident, Uh, started off in the health and safety and environmental field for a multinational mining company. And then that just slowly evolved into consulting work. And as risk management started to grow in South Africa with various corporate governance standards, uh, we just sort of migrated really um, as a team into uh, the whole risk management field. So, yeah, purely by accident. It didn't exist um, uh, 18 years ago uh, as a a sort of academic discipline. so, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic field to be in. And the last two years has just been phenomenal to uh, be part of this industry that's, that's had to be so on its toes and has also been able to help so many organizations as well. So it's, it's the last few years for many has been a terrible time, but for the risk management and business continuity side, it's been an incredible learning curve. It's amazing uh, how many people fall into their roles by accident. Easily over half the people I have spoken to on Voice America or YouTube, uh, most have fallen into what they do by accident. 
So it's it's funny how we get where we are. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I said your topic was the use of knowledge management in business continuity to enable true resilience. So uh, I'd like to take a moment and just talk about the resilience aspect of it, um, because you talk about the principles of resilience and a resilient organization and some of the indicators. Can you uh, brief us on all of that? So a resilient organization, it's really about bouncing back. Um, we see a lot of organizations that get very stuck in their ways. We're very bureaucratic. Uh, we've got these, these authority hierarchies. And it's big or small organizations, public or private sector. But resilience is really about having that adaptability and, and being able to, to think differently uh, when a situation presents itself. And obviously, COVID, and you said it in your introduction as well, is talking about all things COVID. It's been one of the biggest case studies for us to see how organizations who are resilient have, have adapted. Um, and, you know, you can go, go back to the old adage of adapt or die. But it, it really is about having these structures in place that can help us to, to rebound, not just be dead in the shock of something that's happened, whether it's an um, economic impact or, or physical or a fire or a severe weather where, you know, let's so we've lost access to our, our operations. There's all sorts of opportunity, all sorts of issues that happen that can present the opportunity. And if we've got the right frameworks in place that goes beyond just our traditional business continuity, that's in where the, the resilience comes in. So managing, um, managing the emotions, managing the panic, um, having structures that can adapt um, to the specific change as we saw in the last few years of moving to, to work from home arrangements. Um, you, you know, you look at an organization that maybe deals with massive conferences. What are they doing now? Um, you know, you can't just, you, you have to just have that, um, that change in your organization and developing and growing as an organization um, as well. And it comes down to um, these uh, different components where it's like the culture in our organization, it's the, awareness of the situation that we're facing, um, our ability to be creative and think on our feet and, and not have these complex decision-making authority structures, uh, not working in silos, um, and having this organizational knowledge, which is what we'll start to, to speak about as well. And just in South Africa, we've got a saying, when you do need to, uh, a boer mark a plan. So a farmer makes a plan is the direct translation. And and it is just that, um, is a crisis presents itself, right, what do we do as an organization to be able to carry on and adapt to whatever our new normal is going to be? You mentioned uh, people, and I just wanted to go, go back to that. Organize, sorry, organizations uh, need to be resilient, and you gave a lot of the examples there. Uh, what about the people involved themselves? Do they need to have some sort of understanding or feeling or training in resilience themselves? Because if uh, you mentioned decisions and you mentioned the hierarchy, if the people aren't, aren't resilient themselves in those positions, that's got to be a hindrance, right? So how, how do the people get involved with this? It's such a great question. And it's such a rich question as well, because it comes down to the empowerment of our people, are they empowered to make decisions or are they too scared that they're going to uh, get into trouble? And again, that depends on our hierarchies. 
Um, there's also then the, yes, we do have to have plans and structures and training and our simulations that all form part of our traditional business continuity. But if our plans are too static um, and prescriptive that, right, it's step one, two, three, um, you know, to step number 25 mm. and crises don't pan out as those steps one to 25 will, will, um, will need us to carry out different actions. So we really need to understand our organization. We need to understand our objectives and what we're trying to achieve as an organization. But then we've got to have the tools to be able to respond. And it's, it's down to sort of decision-making tools where certain things are pre-planned, like emergency expenditure. We know who can authorize what, who can send the charter plane into wherever to go and collect people, who can depending on, what, on what's happened. So we have certain governance structures in place. It's not that everyone can just run right and, and um, make whatever decisions they want. Um, but there's a metaphor that we use of chefs, recipes, and ingredients. And our whole approach is to, you can give any person a recipe and some ingredients, and they can follow the recipe and make this fantastic dish. But we need to train people to actually be chefs in the kitchen, that they can use whatever ingredients they have. It may not be a complete recipe, but they can turn something into a fantastic dish. Um, you know, like a master chef challenge where you've got, um, you know, you've got certain ingredients and you've got to make something. So we want people to be able to deal with a situation with what resources they have and not feel that they are only empowered to follow a step-by-step plan. Um, and again, it's still within the bounds of, of governance structures. Uh, you know, we can't just, as I said, run right. Yeah, I, I remember having a conversation with someone a little while ago, <clears throat> and we were talking about step-by-step -step plans. And I said, you know, the only thing that you want to make sure you follow step-by-step -step is when you're rebuilding a server or a mainframe or something. You can't deviate yeah. and do it your own way. <laughs> that you got to follow. But when it comes to people, that's different. There are so many different things to to incorporate and to consider and, you know, try, try and to make decisions on. Go ahead. And also what you've got to remember or what everyone's got to remember is I'm going to look after myself and my family first. So if it's severe weather, I'm not hanging around at the office. I'm going to go and protect my household and my family. Um, we saw in COVID absenteeism, both from uh, people being ill, but as well as family members, um, I've got a client at the moment that they've just lost one of their executives to a car accident um, and massive organizational loss. So you, the people side has to be dealt with incredibly sensitively because they, yes, they are your employees and they have to help with this response and, and recovery and so on, but they also have their families and, and other obligations to, to deal with. So it's a very sensitive, and we can't just assume that everyone's going to be on hand. Uh, events don't unfold on a Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock when everyone's finished their lunch. Mm -hmm. um, they happen in the middle of the night and they happen. Uh, I remember years ago, we had a single mom on one of our training simulations. And she actually just said, look, I'm happy to play this role, but I can't leave my house and my young children if you need me to come out in the middle of the night, I just can't do it. I can respond during the working hours with absolutely the greatest of pleasure. 
and we yeah we've got to realize those situations that people that people are in so it's a very sensitive um has to be handled very sensitively mm-hmm. most definitely you you got me remembering a, a situation um uh, about people uh, i'm dealing with a, a client uh, a while ago that if there is a disaster or crisis they have their priority they set out a few priorities you know this is what we need to focus on right beside people it was people safety comma revenue streams yeah and that upset so many people including myself now wait a minute you're putting people on the same level as money yeah that's just terrible and uh luckily some people are now changing that and separating (laughs) that out uh i I said you know this hasn't been announced i I said anywhere yet because we're still new and still new in the process I said, but if that gets out, I said, you are in for a world of trouble. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. good they changed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I'm going to take a break a little bit early because we're going to jump straight in now to the knowledge management. And that's going to be interesting for me because I don't know a lot about knowledge management. Um, and I, I actually talked to a friend the other day saying, yeah, I've got a few shows to record this week. One of them is about knowledge management. And they went, well, what's that? A bunch of smart people sitting in a room? You know, <laughs> and I'm I'm downplaying what they said, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. because <laughs> nobody really knew what it was. So this yeah. is going to be interesting uh, to hear. And I hope everyone out there listening right now uh, stays tuned in because uh, this is an area that's going to be very new and I think uh, really interesting. Uh, we're talking with Vanessa Thorowell today about how to use knowledge management in business continuity to enable true resilience. And we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
there are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today, we are talking with Vanessa Thurwell on the topic of use of knowledge management and business continuity to enable true resilience. Vanessa, great first segment talking about resilience there. Now let's move on to the real big meat and potatoes part of your presentation, knowledge management. Uh, now, as I said before we went on break, this is new to me. So, uh, and I'm sure it might be for a lot of listeners and viewers. What is knowledge management? Can you tell us about it? So, Alex, I'll start with a bit of background. When I actually started, well, part of my risk management journey, I, I ended up at a management consulting firm. I, through various circumstances, ended up actually moving internally for um, just about a year or two and, and to build or form part of this knowledge management team. And it was really an internal team that served to build and set up this knowledge management framework to help all the other consultants, we were about 300 consultants in this organization, to actually manage all the knowledge that is being built in the organization. So, you know, we're servicing clients, um, we're building all these wonderful systems and products and stuff, but no one was actually sharing knowledge of what's worked well in projects, um, what IP we're developing and so on. So we now try to formalize this framework of sharing the knowledge. We had this whole big SharePoint um, system and, and really sharing successes and failures, sharing what's worked well in projects and so on, and, and under this banner of knowledge management. So that's how I started to get into it. And it was only a couple of years later that it was sort of a light bulb moment of, let's actually marry the two now and bring knowledge management into business continuity and risk management. Because essentially, and by definition, is uh, knowledge management is the, the mm -hmm. process of creating, sharing, using, and managing the knowledge and information in an organization. Mm -hmm. So we always try to do that. And we always try and we talk about organizational learning, which is a much more practical sounding term. But it's really about having that, that building the knowledge, sharing it learning from our successes and failures and building this organizational learning um, and, and making the best use of our knowledge. Uh, if anything had to happen to, to sort of key roles, you lose all of that organizational um, knowledge. So we need to capture it um, and, and then just really enable this organizational learning. It, it sounds like uh, taking lessons learned and multiplying it by 10. Or Absolutely, right. and having them and having them on paper as well. Yes. Definitely. Now you talked about uh, explicit knowledge 
and tacit knowledge. What what's the difference? So if you think of an iceberg, um, your eighty percent of your iceberg is below the surface, and the other twenty is above the surface. And it's it's a great diagram for explaining explicit and tacit knowledge. So the explicit knowledge is what we can capture, what we can write down, our frameworks, our processes, uh, reports, any sort of documented information that's that's there. It's on our intranets, it's on our SharePoint drives, it's on our networks. Um, that's your explicit knowledge. You can read, you can learn, it's books, it's um, you know, whatever media that it can be shared and used, our research papers and so on. But where the um, tacit knowledge comes in, and this is where it feeds business continuity and risk management so importantly, is that it's that experiential knowledge. It's, it's what we've got in our heads and our hearts that's not necessarily written down or able to be shared very easily. Um, it's much less concrete. It's less difficult to manage um, and to and to measure. It's that wisdom and the insights. And you know, you're starting to see tacit knowledge being shared a lot more on social media and Instagram. And um, I follow I follow a guy, Adam Grant. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. And he's he's all about the sort of renewed thinking. And he's got a lot of sort of nuggets that he'll put on on Instagram and so on. And that's that's all practical ways of getting that tacit knowledge out, but it's still essentially that what we're holding. And if we had to leave an organization, that's what we're leaving with. Um, so we've got to start to capture that tacit knowledge um, in sharing learnings. If we've just finished a big project, right, sit down. What worked well? What didn't work well? I've got a quick comment. Um, it, it seems the, the difference between uh, explicit and tacit is, one is physical, we can touch, and is external, and one is something we can't touch because it's internal. Is that a good way of saying it, internal and external? Absolutely. And in then setting up a knowledge management framework in an organization, it's trying to get that internal, external, so that others can learn from it, and we build that organizational learning. So it's really formalizing that, that process. Right. Okay. Um, next, you you talked about knowledge hierarchy. Now that seems uh, I'm not quite sure even what to think about that one. So what what is knowledge hierarchy? So I quite enjoy this particular concept, and we use it quite often, especially when we're talking about uh, reporting and um, uh, risk management reports that often don't add value. And I'll often end up referring to this in training courses and and with clients is. So basically, you have data, and we're living in this world of overwhelming amounts of data, but that data is useless unless it is converted into information, that it then actually means something. Otherwise, it's, it's figures and words, and whereas once it becomes information, it gives meaning to our data. So it's the who, the what, the where, um, and and we're able to question it, we're able to interrogate it, okay? So it's, it's detailed information. So data, Taking, is, data is just stuff? With it's no, just your ones and zeros, no little or no it. meaning, just okay. really not, it, it hasn't been analyzed. It's really, you know, often just the sort of, um, uh, yeah, just pieces as they're standing on their own. It's not giving much meaning and it's certainly not a decision-making tool either. So data, 
needs to become information and information then needs to give us knowledge. So this is where we're now using our data and our information to understand how things work, understand our organization, understand our risks, understand how uh, events will um, how events will affect us, um, and really starting to process that information into some sort of value-adding decision-making tool. And then going on to the next, the final step is that that then becomes the wisdom component, where we have um, the wisdom, we can now, decision-making is intuitive, the resilience comes in, because we understand our organization so well, we can be proactive, that tacit knowledge is coming in. Um, so yeah, it's really just a progression from data that's not necessarily useful to us as it stands to become information that can be used to build knowledge, which can be used to grow wisdom. So what is knowledge management? I'm guessing that builds on what you just talked about, right? It's our, yeah, that's just our way of then formalizing it into a sort of discipline that we can apply across our organizations. What what um, aspects are involved with that? Do you is there anything specific or anything special with that, or is it different well, from organization so, to organization? So okay, that's a very good uh, good comment because it has to be uh, much like business continuity and risk management. It needs to be appropriate to our organization. What works for Microsoft is not going to work for us as Mondial. Um, it, it's got to be unique to your organization. Different organizations will have different knowledge needs, different business continuity needs, different culture, organizational culture, uh, different levels of maturity. We might be an organization where learning is intuitive and we've been doing it and we're innovative and we're resilient and, and we know where we're going. But there could be other organizations that are very bureaucratic, stuck in their ways. There's autocratic management, um, and it's not facilitating that organizational learning. Um, so we've got to have this sort of framework and structure to actually administer our knowledge management. We've got to, what we talk about, create knowledge assets. Um, so after a project, do a learnings and successes uh, or learnings from successes and failures root cause analysis, um, document those learnings, capture them, share them, so that the next project that starts, we've got that, um, those learnings. So we don't make the same mistakes, but we also ensure that the same successes actually happen. Um, so capturing that, storing it, be it on a, um, a SharePoint type system or our intranet, uh, we could be really creative um, and notice boards, um, we used to have, when we were doing all this knowledge management at this consulting firm, we had these plastic, these rolls of plastic uh, stuff that through static stuck on your wall and you could just scribble with the whiteboard, uh, whiteboard marker. Um, just be creative of how you share these knowledge um, assets. It doesn't have to be neatly filed in a document management system. Mm. And then sharing it, um, having ways interactive, if it's, if it's coffee sessions or you know, obviously in this virtual realm now is, is uh, with, you know, if it's on Zoom or Teams or whatever, um, but finding ways to share these, these knowledge um, assets. And obviously it takes a bit of administration and management to know who needs what. Um, 
if there is a new project starting, someone hopefully has the ability to figure out the other learning documents and the assets from uh, previous projects that can now be um, applied. And then transferring that knowledge, um, coaching each other, mentoring each other, um, just discussing, uh, you know, if, if it is successes and failures or, or, you know, best practices and so on, and that, that we're actually transferring that knowledge across our organization. So it is, and you do need to have a framework uh, to do that. Uh, I, I do have a project management background uh, and program management background as well as business continuity, et cetera. And you, it, it's probably no surprise to you, but for many, it's surprising how many times the same issues crop up from project oh. to initiative from initiative because yeah. they don't share the, yeah. or they don't take the time to learn from previous yeah. initiatives, you know, what went well, what didn't go well. And it, it I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I always felt we were experiencing the same things over and over again, even though I knew it was like, Oh, they're, they're not going to do this. Great. That means in three months, we're going to end up doing yeah. X, Y, Z. Sure enough, three months later, <laughs> there we were. <laughs> Yeah. Now, you also talked about uh, program, uh, some key aspects that make up a knowledge management program. There are what, five, one, two, three, four, five, five different uh, pieces. Can you tell us about those? What makes up a good knowledge management program? Yeah. So, so the five that are there's your people, your processes, your technology, your structures, and your culture. So, your people. Obviously, if you do have the available resources to actually have a knowledge management team, that's fantastic, who can start to really facilitate that, um, that knowledge management, the development of assets, the sharing of, of, of the knowledge assets and, and the information. Um, and otherwise, start to have champions in different divisions uh, where you say, right, you guys are our knowledge champions and help to now spread the love spread the knowledge um, and really get the organization into this process of, of learning. And again, like with business continuity and, and risk management, it can't be this just process driven. So as much as we say we have to have our processes, we do still need to have flexibility and those processes need to be enablers, um, not making us rigid in how we um, follow them. But so disseminating knowledge in creative ways. Uh, it doesn't have to be formal memos or, or meetings or whatever. Let's, let's write on the walls. Let's get the information out there and, and have fun and that it's enabler of business. It's not just becoming in another initiative that we're adding to an already um, hectic workload. Um, then the technology, we've got so much out there of if it's SharePoint or OneDrives or uh, sharing, you know, sort of folder uh, shared drives, um, social media, um, Instagram, uh, memes, posters, uh, WhatsApp stuff. There's, you can share so many nuggets of information um, using the technology that we've got, and it doesn't have to cost anything. Um, so, you know, and again, being being creative um, in that, and and we. From a personal side, we um, I play lawn bowls. Um, you might laugh and say I'm too young for that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to. It's very etiquette heavy as a sport, and we've got a lot of members who go to competitions and they forget their etiquette. And it doesn't. 
bode well um, to the club or to yourself as a player. And so we've actually started doing these little posters, little picture that gets shared on WhatsApp with the rest of the club of a little nugget of etiquette. Like just remember, you've got to pick up the mat and the, the jack and hand it to your opponent or, you know, just little things like that to remind people that instead of just giving them the rule book, which they're never going to read, just have little highlights of information for whatever it is you're trying to share in an organization. Um, and just being creative with the technology. And then obviously the structures is having a structure in place if it's again related to our people and our processes. Um, if it's in different departments, we have champions, uh, we have our, our actual processes. So it's really bringing that together. If there are sort of reporting structures, decision-making structures, um, and then any other business continuity or risk management structures that are in place as well. So what's the last one, the last piece? So the last one then is culture. And this effectively is actually the make or break of it. Um, and it's the same with business continuity and risk management as well. If we don't have the right culture of wanting to learn, wanting to improve, wanting to be resilient, um, uh, wanting to have this organizational improvement and, and managing our knowledge and learning from our successes and failures, if we don't have the right culture, that's not going to happen. And we'll just be the proverbial tick box exercise where we really don't um, actually add any value. So culture, it's, it's so easy to talk about. It's so easy to understand how important it is, but it is one of the most difficult things to fix. And if tone at the top, our leadership are not committed and not uh, promoting um, knowledge management and organizational learning and resilience, we're just, we're just going to be stuck in this process-driven uh, cycle. So our culture, as it's such a big word at the moment, but it is one of the biggest issues to try and actually get right. Yeah, and it takes time too. It's not something that changes at the snap of a finger. Yeah, yeah. On that note, we're going to take our second break. We're talking with Vanessa Thurwell today on the use of knowledge management in business continuity to enable true resilience. And we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google. Play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice of America Business Channel. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Vanessa Thurwell about the use of knowledge management in business continuity to enable true resilience. Uh, Vanessa, are there any uh, ways to implement, uh, shall we say, knowledge management? How do we get it implemented? What do we need to consider? So, again, with any system um, or, or initiative that you're wanting to implement, there, there will be steps to take. And, and we have nine steps that we like to, to go through where, Firstly, as with anything, business continuity or risk management, what are your objectives? What are you trying to achieve in putting this initiative in place? Or are you doing it because someone said you should? Um, understanding what are the objectives that we're trying to achieve. And that helps us to measure our progress um, and where we are in this implementation. Then prepare for the change. Um, explaining what knowledge management is to our organization. Um, we can start what, what we'll get to um, just now is explain to them why we're doing it and how it relates to risk management and to business continuity management and what value is it going to, to add to the organization. Then obviously develop our structure, our, our process, our um, framework, uh, what are the different components, how we're going to roll out uh, knowledge management and what it's going to look like in our organization and what's going to be expected of us um, then involve leadership. As I mentioned with culture, that tone from the top and commitment by leadership is incredibly important. And we need to have their buy-in um, to help to drive and, um, and get the whole uh, initiative embedded. Um, and then look at your technology needs. As we spoke about, what technologies have we got from 
using social media platforms. Um, we've got so many different from, from uh, SharePoint, OneDrive, uh, Google Docs. There's, there's so much out there that can be used to help us to share this knowledge and establish the tacit knowledge into a structure that's then reusable um, by people. Um, then look at your current state and gaps. Um, we know now what our processes, our desired process, our desired technology. What has our organization got in place already? Maybe we have Friday coffee meetings where we share uh, different uh, learnings. Um, maybe we run from, as you said, your, your background in project and program management. Maybe we've got Agile and Scrum and all of that, and we can start to build knowledge management into these existing processes and, and chats. Um, if we're a heavier industry where we have our safety toolbox talks in the morning before we start, build it in there. So looking at what we've, what we've got, and if there are gaps, then obviously put um, processes in place there. To do that, and I guess you, you mentioned um, uh, breaking down silos. I guess to be able to do that, that's a part of breaking those silos down, right? Because Absolutely, and make it part of our other organizational processes. It doesn't have to be an extra separate meeting or report or agenda, uh, you know, well, have it on the agenda. It doesn't have to be its own meeting or committee or whatever, because that's just adding more to the workload. Uh, yeah. Let's make it part of the processes and, and being an enabler um, in our organization as opposed to being seen as a separate system that gets ticked, um, ticked the box. And then obviously to have action that's measurable is to have a roadmap in place that we know exactly what we need to do, uh, what structures need to be built, what systems need to be looked at, um, what, uh, what do we need to establish um, and have that roadmap that not necessarily everything being done all at once because it can be an iterative uh, phased approach where we have a sort of six months, 12 months, 18 months and so on um, staggered approach. And then obviously implement, get in there, put it in place, see how it starts to work. It doesn't have to be perfect first time. It's um, which brings us to the, the ninth, um, uh, the final one is continual improvement. Um, get your implementation going. Don't be scared. See how it goes. And if something's not right or not being um, uh, bought into, then improve on it and see what can be changed. So you can't break your organization by putting knowledge management in place. You can only improve it. Um, even if it's going to end up initially working at a sort of, you know, half of what you've expected, it's still half of what wasn't there previously. So it's the sort of initiative that can only add value. Um, and, and yeah, that's the sort of steps to, steps to implement, but get in there and do it, have a structured approach and and see how things go it's interesting a lot of those uh things that you just mentioned the nine steps here uh, to implement knowledge management uh also get referenced in business continuity management yeah. and in other professions yeah uh, so it's rather interesting so let's bring knowledge management and business continuity together now so how do we bring those two together properly in your view okay yeah, as I said earlier, when I, a couple of years ago, had this sort of moment of, oh, let's try and bring knowledge management into risk management and business continuity, because it should bring it alive, and it should help it to be embedded better 
as disciplines across our organizations, because now we've got this, this culture of learning in place um, that's then contributing to the success of business continuity and, and risk management. Um, so how we want to now sit, obviously, assuming we have um, a certain level of business continuity management in place, is looking at what knowledge is critical to BCM. We need to know what our critical processes are. We need to know what our potential um, uh, threats are. We need to know what controls and, and plans we've got in place to respond to those threats. Those are all those knowledge assets that form part of business continuity. Um, we obviously need to understand um, the, the risks and the shortfalls of where there could be knowledge lacking. And obviously the easiest stopgap there is training and simulations and so on. So build that knowledge of how we're going to respond in our organizations um, and what do people need to know. Uh, your business continuity and crisis response teams need to know significantly more than just your, your general employee who's going to be communicated via uh, SMS or whatever your emergency messaging is of what they need to do, stay home or uh, evacuate or, um, you know, whatever the, the crisis event actually is. We, we saw all the COVID communication um, uh, with the sort of working from home and, and isolations and so on. So seeing what, who has what knowledge gaps and, and making sure that those are built. And it's different across different parts of the organization and different levels in the organization. Then we want to build practices to minimize that disruption. And this is where a lot of our learning from successes and failures, both within our own organization as well as other organizations. There's so much out there um, information-wise of crisis events and case studies and how organizations have responded, what's made people or what's made organizations resilient or not. So start to learn um, from all of those so that we can try and minimize the impact of the disruption to us. If it's happened before somewhere else, we should understand what the components were of that so that we can start to apply to our own organizations and be that much more um, uh, proactive. And then lastly is to, to make adjustments, um, track our results. How are we doing with our business continuity? Um, what have we learned? Successes and failures again. Um, and, and, having this continual improvement through our organizational learning. And every time we have a simulation, we should have this um, sort of debrief of what worked well, what didn't work so well, because that can then be learnings to be applied in practice um, in reality when um, a particular event um, happens. So yeah, it's, it's really just about taking BCM beyond just the plan. Uh, making it that it's, it's, it's intuitive to us of how we need to respond. Um, and, and getting to that, as I said earlier, the board marker plan becomes just that much more intuitive to us. And, and we, we then know what is a good idea to, or a good way to actually respond. We, we also want to make sure that um, we continue doing things that worked well, right? You know, I know we yeah. talked about what worked well, what, didn't work well, but there's also some things that carry on through from previous projects or programs, like don't change this one thing, it's proven to work. 
You know, it's not yeah. just what worked well in our program. What's working well within the organization don't change. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And if there's something that's not working well and we're struggling with it, either improve it or take it out of your response strategy. Um, if we know our, our teams are not able to mobilize um, or we've got, you know, don't keep putting the single mom on the crisis team. Um, you know that that's not going to work. So don't do it. You know, so, so really just don't, um, don't be the fool that doesn't learn from his mistakes. Yeah, or at least make that uh, single mom uh, an alternate uh, during the daytime. Absolutely. You know, it's Absolutely. only available. You know, put some parameters around it so that she isn't impacted twice. You know, impacted exactly. by the crisis already, but yes. then impacted because you're pulling her away from her children, which she yeah. obviously yeah. is not going to want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the uh, the importance of organizational learning. Because you talk about that, I know you've kind of touched on it every so often, um, but can you kind of uh, really solidify that for us, organizational learning? You know, Alex, it's, it's really just about getting better at what we do, um, understanding where we are, understanding our objectives, understanding our strategic direction, understanding our people, um, understanding what tacit and explicit, explicit knowledge uh, there is. And using that, we have a wealth of knowledge that is just not getting tapped into. Um, and it can apply, you know, knowledge management is not only uh, to business continuity. It'll start to improve so many different aspects of our organization because we are learning and we're becoming better at what we do. And that there's just this continual improvement being BCM, financial management, risk management. Um, we're open, we're transparent. Um, we, we, yeah, it, it's really just about being better at what we do. And then when you overlay the, the need for the resilience, if we are the best that we can be because our organization is learning and, and improving, then we should be so on our toes and ready to be resilient to adapt to change. What do you say to those people <clears throat> or organizations, uh, leadership, management, uh, employees, anybody who don't want to share their knowledge because they feel if they share, they're losing their advantage within the organization, or they feel as though they're going to get pushed to the side. Well, great. Now we got, you know, your information, you're not important to us anymore. What do you yeah. say to, to people who feel like that? Because there are a lot of people who don't want to share their knowledge or their skills for fear that they will no longer be needed. Mm. That, I would almost say to that person that shame, I feel very sorry for you because this is a product of the organization culture. You've been made to feel like that because obviously there's a, a bigger issue with performance management that you feel you have to hoard your information and your knowledge assets where we should be sharing. But there is that. We get, if we are incentivized on, on different reports or if you look in an academic context with research papers and so on, depending on how you're incentivized and how you're measured, then you are going to want to keep your, your knowledge to yourself. But we really should be about improving our whole industry and, you know, not just our own um, organization or our own team within our own organization. It, it really should be about the greater, the greater good because then all of that learning is then helping with, the rest of our bigger picture of resilience 
and being the best um, that we can possibly be. Um, so it, it's, it's a very sad situation to see that when people are hoarding. And if it is from a broader organization culture issue, then that needs to be dealt with from the top. Well, we've got just less than two minutes left. Uh, do you want to take a minute with any final thought on knowledge management or resilience or business continuity or altogether? Um, I would just say, yeah, be brave. Um, take, those, take those chances. We've seen organizations do things completely differently um, and, and really succeed. Uh, and we can't be just stuck expecting to do the same thing and expect a different result. And mm. um, so be brave would be my closing uh, comment. Don't be afraid to open that can of worms. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know, as uh, you know, uh, some other people have said uh, recently, been hearing that expression a lot. Yeah. Nessa, thank you so much. Uh, really great talk on knowledge management. Clears things up for me because I, I, to be honest, I wasn't clear on really what knowledge management was. Um, but I definitely understand it now and how it can uh, benefit an organization and even me just as a person, you know, within an organization working for people. So uh, I really appreciate your time and expertise on this. This was great. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It's always good to chat. Oh, my pleasure. And to everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.